Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 214 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And our episode today is a review of the Credit Suisse Global Fraud and Bribery Enforcement Action. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. I'm coming to you from beautiful Sicily in Italy. And uh, just to show you the magic of uh, the Internet, um, so uh, we're here for several weeks, and uh, life and work uh, go on, as we said. Anyways, well, thanks for joining me today. I hope everybody's doing well, and uh, I thought I'd go take a look at the Credit Suisse uh, multi-jurisdictional enforcement action, kind of an interesting case. And before we do that, let's uh, have a word from our sponsor at Steel Compliance. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end -end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, Investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to day-to-day -day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. So now let's turn to the, uh, the Credit Suisse enforcement action. Credit Suisse, obviously a global financial institution and it's London-based uh, subsidiary uh, Credit Suisse Securities Europe um, ended up pleading guilty, uh, but they resolved a wide-ranging bribery and fraud scheme involving investments and financing for an $850 million loan for a tuna fish, tuna fishing project in Mozambique. Now, when I say tuna fishing project, it wasn't like, okay, let's get a boat out and try to find, uh, you know, some tuna fish. This is uh, different. This was to try to set up an industry, uh, to build an industry and in economic development in Mozambique. And that's what makes this even more egregious in terms of the impact that it have. So Credit Suisse agreed to pay a total of $547 million in penalties, fines, and disgorgement as part of a comprehensive criminal and civil resolution in the U.S. and the United Kingdom. Uh, it also shows, uh, I think, um, some, you know, how limitations in the use of the FCPA and that 
the FCPA penalties are often uh, lower than fraud or money laundering type charges. And here, because there was a massive fraud scheme involved as well as illegal bribes, uh, what drove this was uh, sort of a wire fraud, classic fraud type of case. Not to say that there weren't FCPA violations involved in well, as well, but it kind of subsumed all of that. Uh, so Credit Suisse entered into a three-year deferred prosecution agreement, um, and Credit Suisse subsidiary ended up uh, pleading guilty to one count of wire fraud conspiracy. Uh, under the settlement agreement, Credit Suisse would pay approximately $175 million uh, to the U.S. and restitution to investors based on a future proceeding and uh, calculation. They reached parallel resolutions with the SEC and the United Kingdom's Financial Conduct Authority and Switzerland's Financial Market Supervisory Authority, FINMA. Uh, Credit Suisse agreed to pay $200 million to the FCA in the UK and to forgive $200 million in debt to the Mozambique government. And that was a critical part of the settlement for the Mozambique government. Um, Credit Suisse entered a separate settlement with the SEC and agreed to pay nearly $100 million for fraudulently misleading investors and violating the FCPA's books and records and internal controls uh, provisions. Um, now, all of this with Credit Suisse followed the resolution and the entry of guilty pleas by three bankers. Uh, in July 2019, Andrew Pease uh, pled guilty to conspiracy to commit wire fraud. September 2019, Sergeant Singh pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit money laundering. And in May 2019, Detline Subeva uh, pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit money laundering. So these three individuals got earned significant kickbacks along with uh, paying bribes and fraud. So that was sort of one of the uh, driving forces here. But so they, they secured the prosecutions of these individuals, and now it was time for the company to pay up. Uh, based upon uh, the behavior and conduct of three associated individuals. So the bribery and fraud scheme involved two bond offerings and a syndicated loan that raised funds on behalf of uh, two state-owned entities in Mozambique. These transactions raised over about $1 billion uh, to perpetu perpetuate a hidden debt scheme, pay kickbacks to the investment bankers, and their intermediaries, and to bribe corrupt Mozambique government officials. Between 2013 and 2017, Credit Suisse, through its subsidiary, defrauded investors related to Impresa Mocambicana Diantum, or Imatum, uh, a state-owned entity created in Mozambique to develop the fishing industry in Mozambique. And Credit Suisse uh, defrauded investors by making material misrepresentations and omissions involving the use of loan proceeds, the payment of kickbacks to these investment bankers, bribes to government officials uh, in Mozambique, and the existence and maturity dates of debt owned by Mozambique. Uh, there, there were false statements made about that, including another loan arranged by Credit Suisse to another Mozambique uh, state-owned entity, Pro Indicus. So pr the Credit Suisse investment bankers were pretty egregious here. They diverted loan proceeds to pay themselves kickbacks, totaling approximately $50 million, and bribes to Mozambique government officials, uh, totaling approximately $150 million. 
Uh, Credit Suisse also <coughs> admitted that it identified and ultimately ignored significant red flags um, prior to and during the financing of EMATM. Specifically, they learned of significant corruption and bribery uh, issues associated with the contractor who was uh, affiliated with the project. And subsequently, uh, in 2015, Credit Suisse learned that EMATM was having financial difficulties and faced <coughs> excuse me, a significant risk of defaulting on the loan. So Credit Suisse, uh, rather than deal with the default and the, all the disclosures that have to be made, they arranged to restructure and exchange the EMATM sec uh, security into a bond with the longer maturity date. And during this process, uh, again, there were bribery and corruption concerns, uh, as well as missing funds, and uh, as to the use of the original loan proceeds. So, for example, they conducted a market valuation then of the tuna fishing project and learned that there was a sig significant shortfall of between 265 and 394 million between the funds raised and the market value of the project assets at that time. And they never disclosed, Credit Suisse never disclosed this information to investors during the restructuring and the exchange. And some of uh, uh, Credit Suisse's fraudulent conduct was eventually revealed in April 2016, and then the securities themselves fell in value. So DOJ applied the usual corporate enforcement policy, and they found that uh, there was no voluntary disclosure credit. Uh, uh, in fact, this uh, was uh, uncovered by uh, international banks, the World Bank, as a matter of fact, with regard to loans that they had made, and the uh, World Bank started to discover, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, the IMF, it was the IMF that discovered uh, the, uh, the uh, fraud scheme. Credit Suisse only received partial credit for its cooperation because it delayed production of relevant evidence. Uh, and they agreed to enhance uh, their compliance program and internal controls and provide reporting. Uh, and they earned a 15% discount then from the bottom of the U.S. sentencing guidelines range. Now, the Credit Suisse case highlights, in my view, the significant impact that global corruption and fraud can have on developing economies. Just like the, the Goldman Sachs case impact on Malaysia, here we had an incredible impact on uh, Mozambique's economy uh, because of this scheme, and it started to unravel. And uh, there was then it was revealed that the the tuna fishing project was basically uh, defunct, and uh, the Mozambique people suffered real and significant harm as a result of this scheme. Um, again, the Credit Suisse case underscores the broad application of the FCPA in particular the books and records and internal controls provisions, which carry 20-year maximums, whereas the bribery only, uh, counts only carry uh, five-year maximums. So the SEC's enforcement actions sort of flowed from those FCPA provisions relating to books and records and internal controls, as well as securities fraud. So the scheme, let's take a little bit of a look inside the scheme here, related to three interconnected transactions involving a syndicated loan and then two securities offerings, which included one, a 200, in 2013, a $622 million syndicated loan to Pro Indicus, a Mozambique state-owned entity for which Credit Suisse provided $504 million in financing 
and an extension of payment terms in a later related transaction. Number two was a 2013 $850 million offering of interest-bearing loan participation notes, or LPNs, that were marketed and sold to the international bond market to finance debt offered to the second uh, Mozambican state-owned entity known as the IMADM, uh, and to which Credit Suisse provided $500 million in financing. And then third was a 2016 bond offering by the Republic of Mozambique. This is after everything uh, started to fall apart, which occurred after Credit Suisse discovered several irregularities and risks associated with the Imadam offering that allowed investors to exchange their original LPNs for new sovereign bonds issued directly by the government of Mozambique. The then Minister of Finance at Mozambique signed a guarantee on behalf of the country for the pro-indicus and imadam LPN transactions. However, since that time, Mozambique has disputed the validity of the guarantees since they were secured through uh, fraud and uh, bribery. Three Credit Suisse bankers who I mentioned earlier took advantage of the situation, earned $50 million in kickbacks, and arranged bribes in the amount of $150 million uh, to various uh, corrupt Mozambique uh, government officials. Uh, and the, the, the amazing thing about that these bankers were able to carry out the scheme is, uh, is because of uh, Credit Suisse either, you know, failure to, to follow internal inc uh, accounting controls and deliberate ignorance of significant due diligence information raising red flags as to the role of several individuals and entities in the transaction. So let me give you an example of that. So Credit Suisse turned up scores of red flags during an enhanced due diligence report and examination relating to Privinvest, which was the sole contractor for the tuna fishing industry project. Credit Suisse conducted the due diligence internally, hired a due diligence firm, to review Privinvest and the Board of Directors, and the due diligence process uncovered significant bribery concerns relating to a key affiliate of Privinvest who was, quote, heavily involved in corrupt practices, close quote, and, quote, viewed kickbacks as an acceptable part of his everyday business strategy, close quote. Credit Suisse had previously designated this same individual as an undesirable client. And a Credit Suisse senior executive objected to this individual's participation with Privinvest and the Mozambique project. Nonetheless, however, uh, they didn't stop this transaction from occurring. The subsequent report prepared by the due diligence firm, which was reviewed by multiple executives, including compliance, risk, and other functions, described this same executive as a, quote, master of kickbacks, unquote, and included other findings such as, quote, all sources we spoke to about this Privinvest affiliate were confident of his past and continued involvement in offering and receiving bribes and kickbacks, close quote, and, quote, without exception, have raised concerns about the integrity of Privinvest affiliates' business practices and that he was heavily involved in corrupt practices. Similar observations and conclusions were contained in all the due diligence examinations. And despite all of this information, no resolution of red flags, no further examination, no recrafting of the transaction, Credit Suisse went forward with 
this individual's participation. Lo and behold, $150 million in bribes. So in 2016, uh, Credit Suisse learned that Imadam would not be able to pay back its debt and then offered a restructuring exchange of the original bonds for Mozambique guaranteed sovereign debt. This is where we get into the next complication. The offering materials that were prepared by Credit Suisse did not disclose to investors the true nature of Mozambique's debt and the extent of missing funds. In the related SEC enforcement action, uh, the SEC went against VTB Bank, a UK subsidiary of the Russian bank, which agreed to pay more than $6 million related to its role with Credit Suisse in arranging the exchange offer. So in April of 26, uh, 2016, Mozambique disclosed several hidden transactions and the true nature of its guaranteed debt. They also disclosed that it had misrepresented its public and uh, publicly guaranteed indebtedness to the International Monetary Fund. The IMF and other international do donors halted financial support to Mozambique and in turn, the country defaulted on the bonds. And like I said, uh, Mozambique is, the government is, uh, you know, trying to get out of uh, guaranteeing those funds uh, to investors given the rampant fraud and bri bribery here. So remember, a couple of uh, important lessons here. One, due diligence, uh, obviously, uh, you can't ignore red flags. Uh, the case was easy to prove in the sense of uh, the failure to act in response to these uh, red flags. But more importantly is consider the size and scope of this fraud scheme uh, and the impact that it had on the Mozambican uh, people and uh, the uh, overall developing economy. So another interesting case. Uh, uh, on Credit Suisse, uh, certainly a company with a, with a sort of a tarnished record as we look back uh, on other enforcement actions as well. Um, so uh, like I said, some important lessons learned here. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back with uh, another episode next week uh, on corruption, crime, and compliance. Arrivederci from Sicily. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com.
I just can't.